he was in one of those war-torn countries where it was like Laos or something like that, where they still have active landmines. And the dude had no arms, he had no leg, and he was painting with his foot. And it's like, if you're an artist, you're going to have that internal flame that's going to make you want to create. I bet you if that guy lost a leg, he'd be painting with his mouth. You know what I'm saying? Or he would, and if he lost his jaw, he would tape it to his face. And it's like, that's how I was. Uh, and and all that pain and that pressure created a diamond, you know? And And once you let go of that pain, you can actually see the true beauty of things. Depression, mental illness, bipolar disorder, and the healing that comes through painting. Today, we cover some pretty deep topics in the area of mental health. We talk to a local sojourner and learner of life who has recently seen God in a better light to that of his childhood upbringing. And because of the heavy nature of today's show, as someone who has struggled with depression and suicide, I want to take this opportunity to encourage you to reach out, talk to someone. Don't be afraid to find a trusted individual so that you can talk through your mental health. In fact, you can even email me at info at derekengoy.us and you can find more information in the show notes. But please, please reach out. And so to that end, we have a wonderfully healing show for you today. Let's get at it. Welcome to the Breathe Podcast where we explore the intersection of faith and creativity. We interview artists from all walks of life to discover how faith plays a role in their art and expression, hoping to encourage you to live a life of creativity and faith. And now, your host, poet, writer, and pastor, Derek Ongoy. Yup, yup. Welcome back to the Breathe Faith and Creativity Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us once again, and thank you for the continued support. And speaking of which, if you haven't gone to the Patreon page, I would encourage you to do so. We are, like most podcasts, we are listener-supported. So head on over to patreon.com forward slash Derek Engoy. And for as little as $1 a month, yeah, that's right, $1 a month, you along with the greater community can continue supporting this Podcasts, and there are many different levels, but just $1 will go a long way in helping to cover some of the costs that go into putting this podcast together. So head on over to patreon.com forward slash Derek Engoy. Now, today, our guest, we actually have him in studio. If I could describe him in a phrase, is someone who loves to learn. I met him way back in the mid-90s, and I always saw him as someone who admires the process of education, the process of learning, having the desire for more knowledge, or in the hip-hop world, knowledge reigns supreme over nearly everyone. And he also loves (laughs) hip-hop. Incidentally, speaking of KRS-One, our guest today, his name is also Chris. He's from Cerritos, California, by way of Guam. And as it relates to this podcast, he recently took a genuine love toward painting as a way to express himself, as well as, which we'll get into it a little bit today, he he got into the expressive art of painting to experience healing from his bipolar disorder. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's my pleasure of welcoming a good old friend of mine to the show, Chris Mendoza. Chris, welcome to the show, and thanks for making time to be with us today. What's going on? Uh, thanks, Derek. Uh, it's awesome. It's just nice to hear our TLC crazy, sexy, cool voices again. <laughs> <laughs> So if you didn't know, Chris and I used to be in a band called Elements of the Outer Realm. We went through different names, right? Elements Live, Elements, and uh, yeah, we were on the mic a lot together, and so that's his reference there for those of you who don't know the back history of the both of us. But yeah, what's new, man? Really quickly, what's going on? Uh, basically, it's just uh, me trying to deal with it in the second phase of my recovery. Uh, I, I, I learned that I had bipolar disorder. Uh, 
basically I hit rock bottom where, I mean, I had everything going for me in my life, uh, maybe age 22. Uh, unfortunately, um, my mom passed away. And what had happened is, is I started to slowly deteriorate. Um, a lot of things started getting taken away from me. I didn't finish school because I couldn't concentrate. Uh, a lot of people noticed that there was something deep inside of me that made me really sad. And they were trying to pull it out of me. But unfortunately, uh, a lot of things in my, in my upbringing, uh, came, came up and it didn't allow me to, uh, be able to express it. Uh, I, I started learning through psychotherapy that I was an avoidant dismissive. And basically what that is, is as a young child, my needs weren't met. Uh, my mom, uh, unfortunately, my mom, uh, had to take care of a, a son with a new leukemia, you know, and he had a relapse twice. And that's your brother, right? Yes, my brother James. And I, I don't hold any beef against my mom because I understand now at my age that a mother's going to take care of her child. Yeah. Uh, especially the sick one. And at that time, I didn't realize the emotional strain that it would have on me. Uh, I would sit there and cry out and be like, hey, I, I need some hugs and kisses too because my brother was getting it all. Yeah. And I didn't. And so there I started learning that my emotional needs were not being met. So therefore, I started biting my tongue. I wouldn't ask for things. I wouldn't uh, cry out. I couldn't communicate properly. And so as my adult life came on, it even got worse. Hmm. Because, you know, with the band, you know, I I just dipped out. Yeah. And I didn't talk because I didn't have healthy boundaries. I didn't have the proper tools to communicate with people. Uh, I lost a girlfriend. I lo I didn't finish school. I couldn't keep jobs. I, I, I went to self-destructive behavior. Uh, and slowly but surely I had to hit rock bottom and mm -hmm. to the point where I was actually sent to, uh, a drug and mental rehab facility in the Philippines. And, um, that's a whole another story. I think that needs to be an entire podcast on its own <laughs> Yeah, yeah. because you saw the painting, Yeah. but yeah, it's basically, it's Guernica, uh, a Picasso painting where he had actually witnessed, uh, the aftermath of war. He saw carcasses everywhere, uh, kind of like a hotel Rwanda thing. Yeah. You know, the, the Hutus and the Tutsis. And he just saw the carnage that humanity could create. And what he did was he made something beautiful out of it. And that's why, uh, if you look at my, um, Instagram, it's, uh, at Doza195, you'll see the Guernica half, I actually called it ha uh, half Guernica mm. because, uh, my dad wanted me to do it in oil, but I think I'm going to do it in watercolor. Yeah. Because uh, I thrive in that with that medium for some reason, but I want to make it bigger. Yeah. So before you know, as as we continue in the conversation, let's let's rest on painting really quickly. Okay. So you hit rock bottom. You go to the Philippines, at, and I know that you have a and you know. Let's backtrack a little bit. Why don't you briefly describe kind of who you are and and that, so this is your opportunity to talk yourself up, right? This is your okay. bio, right? So who you are and then how you came to discover painting as a way to heal perhaps from all of your, the issues that you were dealing with uh, in your twenties and then even up until now. Uh, basically it was this, I mean, uh, like I said, I hit rock bottom. I didn't have anything. I had no voice. Uh, the band was gone. The girlfriend was gone. The, the school was gone. I had no job. Uh, a lot of my friends slowly gave up on me, even my inner circle of family. And it, it really hurt really bad uh, to the point where your inner circle doesn't even trust you. Mm. And so I had no voice. So it's like uh, there's this painting or this guy that I saw on Instagram. And he, he was in one of those war-torn countries where it was like Laos or something like that, where they still have active landmines. And the dude had no arms. He had no leg. And he was painting with his foot. Mm. 
And it's like, if you're an artist, you're going to have that internal flame that's going to make you want to create. I bet you if that guy lost a leg, he'd be painting with his mouth. Right. You know what I'm saying? Or he would, and if he lost his jaw, he would tape it to his face. And it's like, that's how I was. Mm. Uh, and, and all that pain and that pressure created a diamond, you know? Yeah. And, and once you let go of that pain, you can actually see the true beauty of things. Right. And it's like, I know that a lot of people that I've, I've, I've come across have had a bout with depression. And unfortunately, we like to hold on to the pain. And that was my problem. Yeah. I held on to so much pain that I push people away. And that's all part of being avoidant dismissive. Right. And, uh, and dealing with like, uh, covert narcissism and narcissistic behavior, uh, just from society in general, because we're, we're, we're held up to these stupid standards. Like, you know, like the Jesus wept thing. I wanted to, I, I, I've been crying a lot, yeah. like this last month. And it's tears that have been welled up inside of me for like 25 years. Yeah. And they should have come out a long time ago. And it's like, why? Because the stereotype is a guy can't cry. Right. A guy can't emote. And if he does, he's seen as weak. Yeah. And the society is going to pimp slap him. You know, they're going to like be like, oh, forget you. We don't want anything to do with you. You know, oh, you're, 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 you know, you're basically ostracized from society. And, um, yeah. And so I just ended up painting. I just kind of, it was the same thing that we had. Remember, we would always talk about getting on the mic. And it's like you take a knife and you stab your sternum and you drag it all the way down your ribs and you just pour your heart out. Yeah. And I was doing the same thing with, with, with painting. That's what got into me. And it was like something was controlling my hands. It's kind of like when you write. Yeah. Or even when I get on the mic, I could just feel energy just emitting from my – oh, sorry. <laughs> Ener- I, I talk with my hands. My bad. <laughs> and those of you who really know me, you know I talk with my hands. But it was just emitting from my chest. It's emitting from my mouth. And I remember talking to uh, uh, Ceci Basia. Remember Ceci Basia from uh, Calcio Long Beach? Yeah. And I was talking to her about that. And I was telling Ian about that too, Ian Azuelo from our band too, as well, amazing guitarist. And I was telling him, I'm like, yeah, when, when, when I perform, everything's in slow motion. It's like something else is controlling me. It's like, there's like this, I'm like the divine master's like a puppet in a sense. And energy would just emit from my mouth. Energy would have just emit from my chest. And I know you feel the same way too, or energy would just emit to my hands when I would write. And it's almost as if you can't take credit. And then when you look back at it, you're like, oh my gosh, I made that? And you surprise yourself because you tapped in to the source. You tapped in to, to, to something divine. Yeah. And, and to f- take full credit, it's almost as if you know you can't because you were just, you were kind of like a medium or a, or, or a, or a spiritual antenna in a sense. Yeah. Uh, kind of like the prophets when they write, when they write their, the, the, uh, the gospels or the books of, yeah. of, in the Bible. And I would try to explain that to people and they would flip out on me. Mm. They're like, what are the hell are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. But you understand yeah. like people that are really in tune, real people that are very enlightened, that have that true serenity and inner peace. They understand that. Yeah. So at this stage of your life, why painting as the creative avenue to, you know, whether it's the process of healing or a po- process of expression of all things. I mean, you have a writing background, you have a performance background. Why painting of all avenues that you chose to venture toward? Well, painting, it's kind of like uh, Close Encounters in the Third Kind. Okay. How so? A painting can say something before a paragraph can ever mm. say it. Yeah. It speaks a thousand words in an instant. Right. And the first language, it was signage. It mm. was pictographs. Uh, and 
And it was saying some like one little image can say so many things in s- split second. Yeah. Way faster than words can say. One painting can say s- everything. Yeah. Or a music note can say everything. Way before you read a book. You know, and it's just just tapping into that intuition, tapping into that heart. Right. And when you sh- once you admit it, it's like you know, it's like the Mona Lisa says everything. This Last Supper says everything. Uh, girl with the the pearl earring says everything. Right. Guernica says everything before having to sit up there and talk about it for like two hours. Yeah. You know, it's just instantaneous. Boom. It's like iconic. Right. mentioned jesus you mentioned a bunch of different other spiritual avenues can you talk a little bit and so one of the staple questions that we ask on this show is how does your faith or whatever your practice of faith might be how does that play a role in your creativity uh basically when i went to that uh when i went to that facility in the philippines Mm. um i had a a psychotherapist that was born again and she kind of reintroduced me to jesus and god in a weird way uh once I got to everything stripped down from me, I was kind of like, you know, I, I was just, all the dead parts were gone. I, I, I had to, I had, basically I fully surrendered okay, because I had nothing else. Yeah. It was just me and me and myself and, and her in a sense. She reintroduced me to the core. I was mad at, I was mad and angry at, at God and Jesus and Holy Spirit and all that because I misinterpreted my mom's death incorrectly. Mm. Uh, I, we were talking about it before at the last Bible study. I was saying that uh, uh, what was what was the guy's name again? Uh, Kevin. Kevin. Yeah, Ke- Kevin Horton. Actually, Kevin Horton. As a reminder, is the voice that you hear on the intro of our podcast. But Kevin Horton is the person that Chris is referring to. Yeah. So uh, yeah, Kevin was awesome. Uh, he was talking about his mom being in the ICU, and he just bawled, and he just cried, and uh, and he said, "You know, Jesus saved me. You know that Jesus wept." Yeah. And it was like God had answered it right off the bat. He did, and he did save his mom, but he saved her by taking her to heaven right. instead of, you know, leaving her on the physical world. And I had it all wrong. You know that uh, the Bruno Mars when I had your man, well, when I was your man song. Yeah, I dedicated it to my mom. Mm. The man that she dances with is God. Right. And I I interpreted it as if. He took her away from me. Right. And so I harbored a lot of anger, a lot of resent. And ever since then, I've just been getting way lighter. Yeah. You know, that burden is no longer there. And it's like the law of attraction. It's like the sour and the bad is leaving me because I'm releasing all those things that I used to harbor in the past. Yeah. And now it's like, like that orange painting that I have. Like the sweets coming in and right. it's coming from the outside. And because our spirit can only handle so much energy and so much uh, emotion. Yeah. And once you start bloodletting in a sense or pain letting, you know, like the leeches back in the day. Right. Only good, only good comes in. Yeah. And it's like, uh, even my cousin Rehan, um, she, she was asking me today, she's like, why are you so positive lately? And I showed her, the, I showed her the painting and I was like, I was like, I'm just letting all of it go. I yeah. mean, I've had I've had relationships with people, 
you know, like in college where they, yeah, well, we weren't even going to names. I don't want to say any specifics, but yeah, I got treated really bad. I ran a lot of errands for it in the Philippines. Yeah. And then when I got back, you know, she broke up with me, uh, kept calling my dad after we were broken up, mm. you know, like still like being, and just poking and prodding. But I mean, last night we were on IG and we hashed it out and we're cool now. Yeah. And, um, you know, and it's like, and then once we dropped the beef, we started sharing with each other. She shared yeah. me her music. I shared her my music. Uh, I gave her compliments. I'm like, yo, you know what? You got style and I'm a style snob. I'm not going to give that out to anybody or, oh, your music that you sent me because she spins now. Yeah. I told her, I was like, man, it's awesome. I'm going to paint to this. Yeah. And it was like, that's the law of attraction. Right. We dropped the beef. We dropped the swords, you know? And once those swords were dropped, we we saw nothing but good in each other. Yeah. And we saw how we touched each other in a positive way, even though, um, yeah. And I, and I even apologized or I opened it up with when we hashed it out. I told her, hey, uh, I apologize. I harbor a lot of guilt from you. And I just want to let you know that I'm sorry for that. And she's like, apologize for what? You have mm. nothing to apologize for. I go, but internally, that's how I felt. Right. And I was holding on to it for so long. And that's just a bad habit that I just needed to stop. And I've realized within the last like three or four months mm. that that needs to stop. Yeah. And it's like, I'm not trying to hook up. I'm not trying to do anything crazy like that. I'm just trying to be, you know, peaceful. Yeah. Because I know that once you start doing that, good things come in. I mean, so, so in, in our conversation, there's, how can I capture this? So we talked about you having this misunderstanding about God and, and I know that's true for a lot of people. I mean, oh, yeah. I, I came out of, I mean, I'm a pastor. Yet yeah. I still struggle sometimes and I oh, still yeah. have arguments with God. And so there's this misunderstanding and there's this beautiful, there's this beautiful picture in the, in the scripture, specifically the gospels where Jesus embraces this woman who was caught in the act of adultery, right? And is that so, uh, Mary Magdalene? Well, some scholars argue that it is. Some argue that it's not. But yeah. whomever it was, it was this woman who was caught sleeping around. Mm -hmm. And the Pharisees, the law abiders, they bring her to Jesus to question him. Now, the fascinating thing about that story is, last that I check, it takes at least two people to commit adultery. And yeah. there's no mention of the man in this story. Yeah, right? yeah totally. And so I, There's always two, two parties involved. Right. And so they bring this woman to Jesus and says, look, the law says we need to stone her. That's the, le that's the legal system. What, what do you say we should do? And Jesus, I love how Jesus interacted here. He, he, he doesn't say anything. He bends down on the ground and he starts writing in the sand. We don't know what he wrote, but he just wrote a bunch of stuff. And then he stands up and he says, you know what? If any of you are without sin, by all means, go. Go throw the stone. You have the right to kill it. And in that moment, people were dropping the stones because they realized, oh, wait a minute. I have some sin in my life. And then he embraces this woman. And the beautiful thing about the story is he was the only one. <laughs> The only one who embraced her. And mm -hmm. if you're talking about the right to stoner, I mean, if you follow the follow the narrative that Jesus is God, he was the only one who had every right to stone the woman, but he doesn't. And so yeah. there's this misperception that God is this angry God, this – and what I love about the narrative of Jesus is we get this human – perhaps this human representation of God in his most loving form. Because you look at the three-plus years of his life that's captured in the Gospels mm – -hmm. He does amazing things of compassion, forgiveness, mercy. Oh, yeah. and, and so my question is, and I know that's a long-winded kind of setup for the question, but my question is how 
So, and maybe we can get into a little bit of uh, your struggle with bipolar disorder. Okay. Um, how, my question is, how important is it from the other side? So, painting has helped you process, right? Your 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 issue with um, bipolar disorder. But how important is it from the other side, from perhaps friends and and those looking in to to folks who kind of fit your description of? And let me just be honest. So. I know a lot of people when they deal with folks with bipolar disorder, they just automatically reject. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like the, it's like the modern day uh, leprosy, right? Or the scarlet letter, yeah. or like oh you have AIDS, and it's like ooh I don't want to talk to you. Or you're yeah. the kid in you're the kid in elementary school that has lice, and you're in the corner, right? You know, and so you like to get ostracized automatically. And with for me, uh, I I realized that I can't talk to everybody on that level about this. So what I have to do is is I paint and it ends up being kind of like an antidepressant in a sense. Right. Or uh, I, I did this, the, the palm drawing today. Uh, I actually did it like months ago. Mm. And it just so happened to be the week before Palm Sunday and it's Palm Sunday's now. Yeah. And it's, it's very prophetic in a way. It's like premonition type thing, but whatever. Uh, it kind of acts like that. Uh, rather than self-mutilating yourself, because right. we do a lot of self-negative or negative self-talk. Yeah. Uh, we mutilate our heart. We mutilate our, our brains and some people even physically mutilate their body. Yeah. Uh, I know that that like a lot of people that do tattoos or surgical, uh, surgical, um, what do you call it? Uh, surgery or cosmetic surgery. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Uh, they, they kind of, they get addicted to it and it's kind of like they it get addicted to the pain. And I started realizing that, Oh wait, that's a physical, that's self-destructive, uh, behavior. Yeah. And when I start drawing and I'll do like etching. It's just like repeated movements of the pen or even with the paintbrush. And it was, it ended up being self-construction, mm. you know, because I'm doing it in a positive way where others can see it. I don't have to take these medicines that, that strip my soul out, you know, like in Mortal Kombat where you do the fatality and the dude gets his skull ripped out and his whole spine comes out. That's what antidepressants are. It's putting a bandaid over something that requires a lot more surgery. Right. Or, uh, yeah, or like, let's say you get like a cut artery. You can't put a Band-Aid on that. Right. You have to get to the root problem. Mm-hmm. You can't You can't be addressing the side effects or the symptoms. It's all about addressing it at the root problem. And that's where uh, that's where I'm talking about phase two is coming in now. Uh, I'm really digging in deep. And that's why I've been doing a lot of crying. Because when you get to the bottom of that trash can that's been stuffed for, for like 20-something years, it's like that's where the dirtiest stuff is. Yeah, and, and, and so speaking of crying and weeping, and you mentioned earlier, uh, Jesus, you know, Jesus wept, and actually that's my favorite passage. Right, it's John eleven thirty. It is mine now too, <laughs> and it's just it's two words. Yeah, and it, but it's 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 a powerful again going back to perhaps the misperception of God. I mean, you have God in full humanity, being human. Yeah. And it, showing us that it's okay, and of, of course, in the context, he 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 knew that Lazarus died, and and in the moment of him seeing his friend dead, mm-hmm. that's when he weeps and and he lets out this emotion. Can you speak a little bit, maybe? What is it with our society that says, specifically, men oh, okay. can't cry, and and why do you think uh, that's so? It's just it's just we have to we have these these uh, preconceived notions or stereotypes or standards that both feminine and, yeah. and the, and the masculine have to follow. So it's like, Oh, it's not cool. If a guy cries or, Oh, it's not cool. I mean, women weren't even wearing uh, pants like what, like 60 years ago or something like that. Sure. Or they couldn't vote. Like that's horrible. Yeah. It's like 
my thing is give credit where credit's due. If a woman's dope at something, pay her. Yeah. None of this like, oh, I'm only going to give you two thirds of the salary sure. that uh, you know a competitive guy has. Because like my stepmom, she busts. She she busts buns. She's like a machine, <laughs> and she's just so like. She's inspiring at how much she can shoulder. But at the same time, though, too, she shouldn't be shouldering that much. She needs right. to start, at, you know, uh, establishing those healthy boundaries and say, hey, hey, yo, 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 I need, I need some help. Right. I mean, she makes money. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of women in my life that are like that. Um, you know, I have a, I have an aunt, uh, who, who's in the finance. She used to shoulder a lot. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that she probably wasn't getting paid as much as a, uh, as a, as a pure male. And then at the same time, too, like guys can't cry. Because it's seen as being weak, right? You know, and then it just ends up being like caveman discussions, like "Oh, you're gay," "Oh, you're this," "Oh, you're that," and it's like I don't even want to be around that. Yeah, because that's not, that's not, it's not intelligent. It's just not enlightening. It's not profound, and it's yeah. like that's why I've always loved talking to you, yeah, because you've always understood that, you know. And then like, well, people would be like, "Oh, that's that's sensitive," or "Oh, that's lame," but it's like you know what? In order to create. You have to be in touch with your feminine side, yeah. and it's like it's okay to do that. Yeah, and it's like, uh, yeah, if you want to be wearing, uh, I don't know, if you want to be doing the whole caveman thing, uh, the the Lord of the Flies thing, go ahead. You know, I mean, they do that in prison. Sure. And I'd like to think that humanity has evolved, and I know you, yeah. you think the same way. I mean, we're, it's almost as if we were talking about. It's like the same thing that we were talking about in the previous Bible study yeah. that we've done, and uh, yeah, and it's like it's like uh, the difference between the, the reason why I like the the christian thing over the catholic thing is because it's based on interpretations it's like what do you think yeah. what does it mean to you it's not and, and and in the catholic religion where i was i was born and raised uh and baptized and everything it's almost as if they don't allow you or they don't even allow you to use your brain mm. because you're like stand up stand up sit, sit down kneel down uh take this eucharist okay uh kneel again and then bounce yeah and they they never really taught me anything in like catechism or they never really taught me anything in confirmation. It was more like confirmation to me. Um, I went to Holy Family in Artesia. It was kind of like a fashion show. Mm. And I was like, what did I get out of it? You know, I never learned anything about the traditions. I never learned anything about uh, what it means. Sure. Uh, I, I was never asked what my interpretation was. And and I know like with the with the Bible studies here that we've been doing or with the psychotherapy that I was receiving, you know, in the Philippines, um, it was amazing. Yeah. It was like they actually – she actually asked me, like, what do you think that means? Yeah. And the thing that was shocking is a majority of us were were, were Catholic and they, no one had anything to say. Wow. Because they were robots. That's not their upbringing, right? Yeah. They, yeah. Were, they were treated as if they were from 1080 and you couldn't read. Yeah. And the only people that were allowed to read were the priests and, and, and the monarchy. Yeah. And it was just, it's so like archaic. Yeah. What's interesting is as you're talking, I'm reminded of when Jesus was talking to his disciples. Like you're saying, look, all these people say that this is who I am, that some people say I'm this, some people say I'm that. And then he turns it to his disciples and says, well, who do you think I am? Uh Right. And so he's challenging. I mean, he's, you know, theoretically, he's run with these these twelve people, twelve men for about t- three years, and so after three years, he turns it on them and says, "Well, who do you say that I am? What do you think? Yeah. I mean, you've seen me operate. It's not like Jesus said, follow me,' and then everything I say goes, and let me program your brain into thinking. No, no, they experienced mm-hmm. him, and so maybe to go back to the painting and and, and the fusion of painting and creativity, 
um, or, or or painting in faith, how have you experienced God, perhaps, in your moments of painting and kind of expressing yourself through that canvas? Well, it's a lot like yoga, harmonizing the mind, body, and soul, tapping into uh, your intuition, tapping into your innermost deep thoughts, because sometimes you can't communicate with someone else. You got to communicate with yourself. Mm. And you get that's that's how you really get deep in right. there, and um and it's one of those things where it's like uh, I was joking around with uh, one of my aunts yesterday. Uh, I go, yeah, I have the ability to make time st- uh, st- stand still. It's like when you're tapped into that, and when you just have that really intimate moment with yourself and what you're doing, the outside world doesn't exist. Yeah, and that's what that's what life is all about when you just have that one-on-one relationship or you have that relationship with another person and nothing else exists. It's just you and I, mm. or it's you and what you're doing. And that's when you truly, truly learn about yourself. Right. And when you have those special magic moments and you can have those with certain people, you can't let that go. Right. You can't just ditch that and, and ditch it over security, you know, or ditch it over what society says. Eventually their, their mask, it ends up falling. Right. And later on down the line, they're like, I, f- I effed up. Yeah. You know, I, oh, sorry, I almost cussed. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> but I messed I'm up. I'm going to have to label this yeah. explicit for this episode. <laughs> oh, yeah, for that. Well, I, did, I, 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 I only did the, hey, I'm actually, that's actually good for me, you know, but, um, but you, you understand what yeah. I'm saying. Like, yeah. eventually the, the, the mask will fall off. Yeah. Uh, and it's a rude awakening when it happens. Yeah. You know, when you when you start chasing things for security or chasing things over money. I mean, I talked to my cousin about that. And, um, you know, yesterday, uh, my cousin Brady. And, um, yeah, he's another partner in crime, too. He's my, he's my, we're like Magic Johnson and, and Kareem. We're Showtime, <laughs> you know. And, um, and he just broke it down to me so truthfully. And, and it was beautiful because he did it out of a caring place i mean he's the only kid uh i mean i have a brother but at the same time though we 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 grew up together and yeah. we're 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 like fused at the hip and unfortunately right. you know things happen and it's a lot like you uh i hadn't seen you in a while and i haven't really been tight with him in a while but right. i i've recently been reaching out over the, like the last few months uh, i get along with his kids great um and it's like I'm trying to provide that for them, like trying to get them like a good role model that actually is there to care for them. Because you know, as kids, most adults treat you as if, oh, you're in the way, right? Like shoo, shoo, shoo. Yeah. But then there's always those special adults that took you under their wing and that taught you and guided you. Those are your true godparents, you know. And right. I, I have a lot of those in my life. Mm-hmm. And and I and I and I've recently reached out to him and I'm said, you know, hey. Uh, I know it's Father's Day and it's supposed to be reserved for my dad, but you know what? You guys were amazing influences in my life and you guys deserve a happy Father's Day too from yeah. me Yeah, because it's just showing gratitude. And once you start showing gratitude and being thankful for people that actually influence you in a positive way, it makes them happy because it's like, it makes it all the time, all, all worth it. Like yeah. in respiratory therapy, like I got this, I got this, uh, what was it? Like a customer service survey. Mm-hmm. that we did and this lady said oh i couldn't ask for anything better mm-hmm. christian is the is, is such a great employee i couldn't have asked for a better respiratory therapist and this is a lady who had a chronic disease wow you know and she's had tons of respiratory therapists yeah and for her to say that to me all that pain all that stuff that i had gone through 
makes it all worth it. I'm sure you probably have the same, yeah. the same story. I know as uh, Carmen is another writer that I met from Texas and mm-hmm. she showed a note on Instagram. Right. It said like, you're the greatest teacher. And the student said, I don't even want to go to the next grade <laughs> because you were that awesome. Right. And that's, that's that priceless moment yeah. where you realize like, whoa, I affected that person's life in a positive way. Yeah. And I'm sure you get it a lot more. I mean, you're a pastor. You have a lot more students. You know, your congregation is huge probably, yeah. I would imagine. And then even with your, your previous stuff. Yeah. And then even the stuff when you do your, your, your poetry or when you write your books, I'm sure you probably get – I know like it's not for everyone, but when those people actually send you yeah. a note or they ask you for your autograph or – they really take the time out and say, Hey, you know what? You're my favorite such and such. Sure. Or you're, it's like, that's what it's all about. Yeah. Well, it's, there's power and encouragement, right? Yes. Yeah. And it's like, you almost want to get down on your knees and cry. And you almost, you're almost humbled by their statement. Yeah. It's like when, uh, when, when, when Jesus washed the feet of the, yeah. I don't know, you know the specifics, I don't, yeah. but it's like when he's that humble enough to be like, Yo, you know what? You're, you, I'm honored. Yeah, you know, and uh, I did it actually with a with an artist. I was talking to my cousin and I. One of our favorite artists is a Phil Frost. Okay, he did the cover for DJ Shadow. The uh, I think it's Preemptive Strike, the one with the red and white cover. Okay, okay. So what he does is he does stuff that's almost like cave drawing and modern day graffiti at the same time. He fuses it together, and it's like it speaks to your soul. Mm. And that's what's so beautiful about visual art that sometimes. Uh, Words can't explain, yeah. or sometimes music can't explain, or like Saul Williams. Yeah, that that's our boy right there. Yeah, props like, to Saul Williams. Yeah, total props to Saul Williams. Like he come that out di- to definitive soapbox, please, Saul he, Williams. Yeah, that guy <laughs> gave me goosebumps. You know, and it's back going back to the Phil Frost thing. I sent him some copies that I did of his work, mm-hmm. and he looked looked at it and he's like, "Whoa, I'm honored." I'm like, "What are you talking about, honored?" I'm honored that you even think right. that it's good. Yeah, yeah, because you influenced me in a positive way, and I let him know. You know, it's the gratitude, going back to the gratitude thing. I'm like, hey, I've been following you ever since Preemptive Strike, and thank you. Yeah. Thank you for influencing me in a positive way. And my cousin is the same way. Like, I he, I, I just gave him his uh, Phil Frost book back. Yeah. And um, immediately, right when his son saw that book, hmm. his son has never seen that book. He's like, it looks a lot like my dad's stuff. Wow. It looks a lot like your stuff. And he, and that was like a huge influence on us. And in a sense, we're almost like, uh, have you ever heard of that religious term? It's called omniest. Yep. Yeah. Where it's like, you're, you're, you're finding truth in everything. Well, we're finding truth in everything within our environment, right. our, our, our past, our culture, our, our everything, you know? And it's kind of like that, 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 uh, you know, those, those broken charms where it's like a heart and it has like a puzzle piece and yeah. it ends up being two separate pendants. Mm-hmm. We're kind of like that with everyone. And I know like you and I have always kind of been like that. And we have that special relationship with a lot of people where, our weaknesses complement our each other's strengths. Yeah. And sometimes you kind of need that balance in order to have this. Yeah. Remember how uh, I wrote in the, uh, the little uh, promo about our, our, uh, our podcast. And I put, we've, we're always bet the, the sum is better than the parts. Yeah. We've always had that synergistic relationship. And it's like, those are the relationships you should not let go. Yeah. That's your crew. That's your crew for life. Yeah. So, you know, I know you and I, the nature of our friendship, we can talk on forever. And and that's what I love about our conversations. But kind of to wrap things up, you you mentioned, I know, two specific stories in the scriptures. Uh, One, Jesus weeping, and then uh, Jesus washing his disciples' feet. Now, what follows those two incidences were moments of, I think for the lack of words, I want to use the word power, right? So... Jesus cries, 
he raises his friend from the dead, right? Mm. Jesus washes his disciples' feet, and then he goes on to die, and then he resurrects. And there's this somewhat moment of amazing power, even amazing beauty, following a moment of humility, uh-huh. right? And and so the word that, as you were kind of conversing and, and, and kind of sharing some stories, the word humility popped up. Uh-huh. And, you know, part of this podcast is about trying to find, again, the collision of faith and creativity, and specifically in the area of healing, how can you talk a little bit about the importance of walking in humility in the context of relationships with one another? Uh, unconditional love, right? Giving everything you possibly can without expecting anything in return, and it all starts with self love. Yeah, it's like we we we've managed to strip human out of humanity, mm. and it's like, yo, that's not what it's about, right? It's not about you. Uh, becoming introverted and isolating yourself from everyone else. I mean, we talked about it before, like back in the day. Like in college, we can actually run into a random stranger. Now, nowadays, nah, yeah. right? It, even in class, they're already texting. Yeah, and right when they walk out, texting or on the phone, and it's like, well, you're closing yourself off to society, and you're never going to run into a, yeah. a random stranger that might touch your life. Yeah, you know, or. Uh, I know that there was this trend in New York where people would put headphones on and it wouldn't even be plugged in. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like saying, F you, F you, F you. It's kind of like in Half Baked. Yeah. Remember the Cuban dude? Yeah, yeah. F- <laughs> Cuban V when he, when, he, when he decided to quit. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, but sometimes if you don't – if you have that unconditional love and you show humility towards others, but you also – it's coming from that self-love place and it's, yeah. not, it's not codependent. Right. It's not needy. It's like going back to this. I, I the, there's like three types of uh, relationships that we have, and it's kind of based on the relationships that we had or our parents. It's like you're either me. I'm an avoided dismissive. So what happens is I push away the people that I love the most, and sometimes I hurt mm. them when it gets a little too touchy. Right. Yeah. And then they have another one that's called um, anxiety attachment, where they have the ones that are really really needy. But what we need to come from is we need to fix ourselves and give ourselves enough self-love to where we come from a place that's called secure attachment. Okay. That's what we all need. Yeah, and you know, I think a lot of people, again, we talked earlier on about the mis- misconception or misperception of God and, right, Jesus, I love how he says, right, he ultimately summarizes the great commandment, right? And he just says, look, the great commandment is this, love God with everything that you got and uh, then love yourself uh, or or love others as you love yourself. And so in that commandment, Jesus gives us permission. You talked about self-love. Yeah. And that's not selfish because no. you can't love others to the extent beyond the love that you have for yourself. And so God gives us permission to care for ourselves, to, to, to have that self-care. You know, and that's important. We have to understand that. Oh yeah. 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 Because uh we're kind of we've kind of been duped in a way. Sure. Uh with the movies. And it's kind of like Oh, you have to be like, oh, I love you more than anything in the world. And once you start getting into that frame of mind, you're going downhill. Yeah. Because you're yeah. going to start getting insecure. You're going to start getting paranoid. And then you're going to get that, what is it, the anxiety attachment. Yeah. And then what happens if the other person is an avoidant? Yeah. And you start getting codependent relationships. Then you start getting all sketchy. Then you start manifesting it in your brain and your heart that that person's going to cheat or, oh, that person's going to bounce. And guess what? They do. Yeah. You know, because it's like once it enters your thoughts or once it en- enters uh, your spirit and your and your and your and your being, you you end up projecting those yeah. those behaviors into the person that you right. you're you're connecting with because yeah. you, you're mirroring. Yeah. Um. Because it's kind of like the reason why you choose your friends is because you see you see the certain same qualities 
that you see in yourself. Mm -hmm. Or you criticize a certain someone because, you know what? You're criticizing yourself because we're all made of the same material anyway. Yeah. You know, it's like uh, we're all carbon-14, we're all water, we're all bone, we're yeah. all blood, we're, we're plasma. Uh, and I hate to say it, but people that like to throw a lot of shade or people that throw, like to project a lot of hate, it's like, hey, I'm just a mirror, bro. Yeah. Or I'm just a mirror, sister. Yeah. You're hating on yourself. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. Well, that's good. Hey, so before I let you go, we've been doing something in our interviews, we've been doing lightning round uh -huh. um, where I just give you two choices and without thinking, you just give me your first reaction. Can we do that? Yeah. It's kind of like the Rorschach. Yeah. So a little game uh, that I like to play, uh, just kind of like to end on a fun note. I'm so down with that. I'm gonna give you two choices and you just kind of give me your response. Cool. Okay. All right, here we go. Coffee or tea? Coffee all day. Basketball or baseball? Baseball. Acrylic or oil? Oil. Prayer or meditation? Uh, both. <laughs> Miles Davis or John Coltrane? Miles Davis. He's R all about the theory. <laughs> R&B or hip-hop? Hip-hop all day. There you go. Boom. Lightning round, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for playing, Chris. You are the Coltrane and I am the Miles. <laughs> <laughs> there you have it. You're um, Jordan and I'm, and I'm, and I'm uh, Phil Jackson. Oh, well, Remember th that? Thank you for saying i'm jordan but <laughs> hey no but i mean we've always we've had that conversation before yeah i mean you you've always been a better applicator uh with with the with the MCing and the word but I've, i remember i've always been the idea guy yeah but you you've always been uh the applicator and it's kind of cool like how miles and coltrane were miles actually saw in in coltrane he's like dude this guy's too damn good yeah He's go on his own. <laughs> remember when we had those co conversations yeah, yeah for sure and i was like this is not going to be my band anymore yeah I'm going to be gone for a while. And then did you, you remember that? And then I did. <laughs> it was supposed to be to grad school. Yeah. But I went to a, a rehab and mental facility yeah. instead. But we're back. Yeah. And we appreciate each other. Yeah. So uh, really quickly, I know you mentioned your paintings. Um, and, you know, people can't see paintings over the airwaves like this. Tell us where we can find you on social media. Oh, yeah. It's uh, on IG. Uh, it's Doza, at Doza195. Uh, I've been recently getting a... Uh, yeah, there's probably probably like maybe 20 paintings on there. Uh, eventually, I would like to write a book where that's where you can help me. Yeah, that's where sure. you can be my Miles. Yeah, there you go. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Return that favor, or you can be my Phil. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's all about letting your friends and family help you because we all have the support system. Yeah, we just have to learn how to communicate properly, establish proper boundaries, and yeah, we we've we all have the we all have that support group. We're never yeah. we're never alone, you know. And so yeah, cool. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, Chris Mendoza. Make sure you check him out on social media to support his work. And please, please make sure you go to the Patreon page to support this podcast. Look under Derek Engoy. Um, and until next time, be the light, extend your hand in love, and make peace with someone this upcoming week. Stay blessed, and we'll catch you next time. Peace. Yeah.